الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن يعظم شعائر الله فإنها من تقوى القلوب صدق الله العظيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يكون هواه تبعا لما جئت به أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters This is a new academic year Madrasa has now just begun a week ago So in this past one, two weeks, one and a half, two weeks that the Madrasa has now recommenced. So you are already in the process of learning. Work has commenced. And as we discussed last week, that your primary objective of coming here is to become a true Muslimah, to become someone who is truly connected with Allah wa ta'ala. This is the intention which we need to make. That this is what we have come to learn. How to become the true and obedient servants of Allah ta'ala. And fulfill all our aspects of life in a way that we earn His pleasure. The lessons that we have learnt repeatedly with regards to the etiquettes of acquiring this ilm this is something that needs constant revision they can never be overemphasized and especially in the times that we live in this requires that we revise these lessons even more one of the most fundamental lessons in terms of the etiquettes of acquiring ilm is the aspect of adab respect we have discussed this many times previously and you would have heard the lesson of adab many times from your teachers but this is something to keep reflecting upon keep checking within ourselves to what extent we have acquired this adab to what extent we are applying this adab this is something which is of a very fundamental nature. With adab, a person will be able to go way ahead. And if adab is missing, adab is not in a person's life, then despite having all the other many good things, a person might have, for example, a tremendous memory. Now that's a very great asset if somebody has a very good memory for example. Uh, the person can learn a lot of things, a person can memorize, such a person can become hafiz very easily, such a person can do many things very well, mashallah. Maybe somebody has an excellent understanding. So now the concepts that are taught, the fiqh, whatever other things that might be taught, sometimes certain things are a little mm, difficult to understand for the average person but such a person very easily grasps it very easily understands it 
Now, mashallah, the person has a good memory, the person has very good ability to understand. Together with that, perhaps the person has also some degree of piety also. Mashallah, the person in piety in the sense that staying away from haram, not looking at haram, not uh, indulging in sinful activities, not going to haram places, not dressing immodestly, all these things, mashallah, the person has in her life now. This is also now a higher level now. This is very great, mashallah. And this is essential. One has to have this in one's life. So, like this, many, many other things can be then counted that the person has all these things in her life. But if together with all this, there isn't adab as well. That, mashallah, the person has this ilm, has this degree of taqwa, has the various other qualities that are required. But whatever the reason is, this is just as an example, whatever the reason is, for some reason or the other, that person just doesn't have adab in her life. Then you can write it down, that as a result of the constant disrespect that she will show, because she doesn't have adab. So she doesn't know what is etiquette, she doesn't know how to respect people around her, how to respect her seniors, how to respect her teachers, how to respect her parents in fact. Or then she doesn't have adab in her life, so she won't even respect the Qur'an Sharif properly, how it should be respected. And if the Qur'an Sharif is not respected properly in the way it should be respected, then what can be said about the other books of deen? Kitabs, books of fiqh, books of sirat, etc. That will obviously be compromised to an even greater extent. If the Qur'an Sharif is not given its due respect, then other things will obviously be of a much more severe category, that they will be compromised and Allah forbid disrespected even more. And then the things around the person which are an aid to acquiring ilm, the madrasa, the desk, the person's pen, the paper, and all the various things that assist us to acquire ilm. Now where will that even cross the mind that this requires any kind of adab or respect? But now what will be the outcome? The person who is conducting herself, mashallah, with a lot of other good qualities, but unfortunately is without adab. Then such a person will be a failure in life. You can write it down and write it down again and inscribe it in stone. That if the person doesn't then repent, she doesn't make amends, doesn't rectify what she has done due to the disrespect, then this disrespect is such a thing that has repeatedly reared its ugly head in the sense that wherever this disrespect was a prominent part in somebody's life, unfortunately this brought them down, it made them crash, they couldn't make headway in life. Madrasa is a limited time. Somebody has got maybe five more years, if they complete the full course, from whatever level they are in currently, they might be in grade, whatever they are. So somebody got five more years, somebody six more years, somebody three, two, one, and eventually then, go to move on. 
So Badarsa is a very, very temporary phase that we are in. Or sometimes a person feels that well, it's not a big issue to worry about because here I'm not going to have to remain my whole life here. So if I'm not very respectful, I don't do what I'm supposed to do in Madrasa as I'm supposed to conduct myself. So it's not a big issue because one year's time, two years' time, five years' time, I'll be gone from here. So I don't need to bother too much about it. But this is the very, very great misconception. The time that you are now spending in Madrasa, the time, this time of your life, whether it is in Madrasa, whether it is at home, wherever it might be, this time of your life is part of the foundation. And then when you move on from this stage of life, then is the building that has to keep coming on. Every moment in life you are building on this foundation. Obviously there are certain different levels of foundation. One is the very, very core part of it, the very trenches that have to be dug. That is that steel, and then on top of that comes that concrete, etc. All this is part of the foundation. All this time of your life is part of that foundation. If that foundation is weak, that building is going to be a big problem. If that foundation, sometimes when they dig up the trenches, and now that steel has been put in place, and the concrete is going to be poured the next day, or sometimes from the sides, some little bit of sand collapses, and it falls alongside that steel, so are the builders, the engineers, they say, no, please make sure that is taken out first. Now it's a little bit of sand, handful of sand sometimes, a little bit more maybe. See, no, you can't allow that because that will now weaken the foundation. Now this whole mass of steel is there, all this concrete is going to come in, and this whole... But now that little bit, one, two handfuls of sand that have fallen there, which now will just decrease the amount of space for that concrete by that amount, hardly anything. But the engineer is not prepared to let that just remain like this. He tells the person, clean the sand out first before he pour the concrete. Now why? Because if that, con- that foundation is weakened, then the building can be in danger. Now one is a few hands of sand. What if now quarter of the trench is all filled with sand? Those walls might never come up straight. By the time the person comes to the roof level, it might collapse. Now the same is the issue with our time in Madrasa and our future life. This is the time that we are laying the foundation of our life. Whether a person then continues in some dini activity as such in terms of teaching, etc. or not, that's not the issue. The issue is we all have to go continue with life. Somebody is going to now settle down in some home, they're going to have to take care of their families, they're going to have to fulfill their responsibilities and role in life, they're going to have to live with people, they're going to have to live with their families, they're going to have to be one day married, living with their husband, with their in-laws maybe, with their own children, with their extended families. They have to now assume responsibility. At this stage in life, there's no responsibility, apart from doing these kind of things that are necessary for every person. But to take on responsibility of others, take on responsibility of a household, take on responsibility of providing for a family, of having things ready for the children, etc. We don't have all those responsibilities. But the time will come when these things will come along. 
Now, how a person has built this foundation, this is going to affect that later life. And if a person lived without adab in this part of life, whether the disrespect was shown to teachers, to one's parents, whether it was to the Quran Sharif, whether it was to the Kitabs, whether it was to the Madrasa, all this is weakening that foundation. And unless that sand is not removed, and that foundation is not reinforced again, this is going to have an impact later in life. A person who didn't learn to live with respect with people around one at this stage of life, later she won't be able to respect her husband also. Illa mashallah. Her in-laws is an even further away issue. And extended family etc. will be far away. Now this constant disrespect then starts creating major complications in a person's life. And their lives become very miserable because right now many people will just keep tolerating. Parents, parents have a very long uh, string so to say to keep tolerating all these kind of things. They will reprimand, they will scold, they will sometimes even meet out some money but they'll, they'll keep tolerating and they'll uh, cover up also Teachers, etc., have a similar situation that they, in the hope, well, things will come right. They overlook, they pardon, they just uh, still pat the person on the shoulder. Don't worry, you just go ahead, just sort your life out. But everything will come right. Just make a little bit more effort, and so now they keep encouraging. But later in life, it's not going to be always the same. Others are not going to be forever tolerating us. They are not going to be forever just brushing things aside that will happen now maybe but if we have left with a certain manner of conducting ourselves which is wrong because we didn't bother to take the lesson of adab we didn't try to inculcate this in our lives so now that becomes a f- habit now and then as they say due to force of habit now a person sometimes doesn't want to do something they say no force of habit he just did it like that a person spoke something which now the person is regretting but why I spoke it in that manner he says well now it's a force of habit because I always unfortunately just keep speaking like that it just blurted out a person does something in a certain way and now the person just can't do it any other way See, it's a force of habit one person was driving somewhere and there was a one way road so now in the one way road he is going in the opposite direction uh, it's a small lane it's a one way road and he's going in the opposite direction so now it just happened that as he was going in the opposite direction there was a police parked there somewhere and he saw this person now he's coming in the wrong direction it's a one way road you're supposed to go from east to west for example he's coming from west to east so that police stopped him so now when he stopped him this person started saying please you know what, I just made a mistake now and let me give me a chance the police saw this person, this car, this looks like he's a local person. And if he's a local person, there's no such thing as a mistake. Because he knows his road. So he told him, look, I can't give you a break. Because this is not a mistake. This is force of habit. You keep doing this. So you just came down this road again. From the wrong side of the road. It's force of habit. So now today you're caught. So now this force of habit puts us in that kind of predicament, that kind of situation. Where one day that force of habit is not tolerated 
then a person is caught, taken to task. And now the big problems start. So what is the lesson in this is? The lesson is we need to inculcate all these good habits now. And we need to remove all the wrong habits at this stage of our life. Later in life is sometimes too late. Few people manage to really make that genuine change later. Otherwise, many saints now beyond me, it's too deep. I can't make the change. So among these very, very fundamental things and very important things that we need to make this effort to change is the aspect of inculcating adab in our life. If that adab is not there, we have to change that and bring the adab in our life. This is a very, very emphasized thing in Shariat. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا يُعَظِّمْ شَعَائِرَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهَا مِنْ تَقْوَى الْقُلُوبِ Those who respect the symbols of deen, the symbols of deen, the Quran Sharif is a symbol of deen. Now Allah Ta'ala is saying, those who respect the symbols of deen, then فَإِنَّهَا مِنْ تَقْوَى الْقُلُوبِ This emanates from the taqwa of the heart, and now this person is going to progress. And if the person disrespects this, then now it's a big problem. can bring disaster. So the masjid, the month of Ramadan, the day of Jumu'ah, the azan, all these are the symbols of deen. Now the person who respects, so the lesson of respect is being brought in. In one hadith, Nabi Sallallahu says, Ma akrama shabun shaykhan lisinnihi illa qayyadallahu lahu ma yukrimuhu inda sinnihi that if a young person honors an elderly person, now this honor, respect, now this comes with an effort. And a person who understands that my life is what I could make, just fun, excitement, just trying to enjoy life, that sometimes comes at a very high price then. And the price is very, very difficult thereafter. So, no harm in having some uh, relaxation time, some down time, so to say, and some light-heartedness, etc., all within the limits of shariat, but not any disrespect. There is no, no place for disrespect in deen, and no place for disrespect in the life of a Muslim. So, in the Hadith Sharif now, Nabi Salaam is saying to us, that the person, young, any young person, who honors an elderly person because of his age he is not somebody that is maybe very learned or she is not somebody very very uh, close to us in terms of relationship but she is an elderly person it's some old lady now she is coming walking somewhere and you can see she is battling she has come for a some whatever the need was to the madrasa for example or it was some visitor is coming to your house or wherever it might be some elderly person uh, you'll get some people standing and passing comments uh, look at this old lady how she's wobbling but one day we're going to be old as well one person saw an old person now the young people sometimes they have a lot of comments to make so now this young person saw an elderly person but that person was so old that he had a hunched back uh, he's walking in a very hunched manner. So now this is a very, very terrible thing to make a mockery of somebody. It brings its harm in dunya also, 
and very great harm in the akhirat. Now this young person, he didn't learn respect. Now there is number one an old person, he is supposed to be honoring the old person and at least not causing any taklif to the old person. But now what he is asking him, he is saying to him, uncle where you got this walking stick from? Uh, because of the hunchback now, the person is so to say resembling a walking stick, so to say. So now he is making a mockery of him. He is telling him, uncle where you bought this walking stick from? Or where you got this walking stick from? So now that uncle also wasn't just, didn't become old just overnight by chance. So he also answered very calmly, see big people, people who are big people in reality, they don't get emotional just on small small things. They don't start reacting on trivial things. They are calm. They think carefully. They, are, they can take things in their stride. They don't get carried away with small, small comments. Anybody just made any statement now, they just gone in a rage. If they want to answer it too, they do it in such a way, in Urdu they say, Baat ki baat or laat ki laat. Person says it in such a way sometimes, that he gave the person an adequate answer, he like sort of, so to say, kicked him back, but without the person being able to even complain about it. So now this uncle also, mashallah, he had a sharp mind, when this boy was mocking him now, and the boy is saying to him, uncle, where you got this walking stick from? So the uncle replied, my son, when you'll get to my age, you too will get it for free. You won't have to go get it from anywhere. You won't have to go and look for it somewhere. You'll get it for free. So the point here is that we too one day are going to be old. Now the people who might be elderly today, if we look at them and have that compassion in our hearts, Nabi Islam is saying, a person who respects and honors an elderly person because of his age or her age, then Allah Ta'ala will appoint somebody to honor this person when he becomes old. He showed respect to somebody today, he honored somebody, he went and helped the person out, tomorrow there will be somebody appointed to do the same for him. Tomorrow somebody will respect him, somebody will honor him. When he has a need now, he is wobbling, somebody will come to help him, they will come to give him a hand. So now instead of making comments, this young girl, mashallah, who has adab in her, she will go forward quickly. She will go and lend a hand to that auntie, to that elderly lady, that let me assist you. Maybe that person is an elderly person, she is holding something in her hand which she is battling to carry. She will run, this young girl who has adab in her life, who knows what it is to have respect, she will rush forward and she will offer to help. She won't say, well, who is this person? Okay, I don't know who she is. Don't bother about her. She can do what she wants. If she is battling, let her battle. No, na'uzubillah. A Muslim, a Muslim doesn't think like this. This is not the mind and heart of a Muslim. That if I don't know the person, then she is battling, let her battle. No, a Muslim's heart just goes out to helping. Obviously, whatever is within the limits of Shariat only. Crossing the line of Shariat, then that's not helping, that is harming ourselves. It's harming others too, harming ourselves too. So within the limits of Shariat, she will go out of her way to help. Why? Because she has adab in her life. And if she doesn't have adab, then she's only going to be looking for things to just pass comments against somebody, tease someone, hurt someone's feelings, 
mock somebody, cause the cleave to others, and be rude and abrupt, talk in a harsh manner, don't bother about who the person is backchatting, whether she's backchatting her parents, backchatting her teachers, all these kind of things will carry on. There will be a very, very bad attitude. So all this will be as a result of that lack of adab. And now this is what we have to learn to bring the adab in our lives. Otherwise, this be'adbi, this lack of adab, will now take us in this negative direction and this is what invites disaster. Then we got a major problem in life. So what we need to do is start learning this adab. We have to learn this adab, adab in talk, adab in walk, adab in how we conduct ourselves and in every aspect of life. And such people, mashallah, progress tremendously. You look into the lives of the Sahaba Ikram, what tremendous adab they had, how they obeyed Rasulullah, what respect they showed to him. They would not uh, even do anything in a way that would be displeasing to Rasulullah. Why was this? This was out of their adab. And this adab that the Sahaba learned, they passed it on. Their students learned it from them. And then this came on down the ages. Imam Abu Hanifa was one of those great people with great adab. Tremendously great adab. He mentions regarding his manner, he says that my Ustad, Imam Hamad Imam Hamad was his Ustad. His Ustad used to live seven blocks away. So now, can you imagine now the madrasa where it is, and now seven blocks away, seven streets further down. Now, how far that will go away? Seven blocks away was the, maybe now in those days we're talking about small village, so small, small roads, small, small houses, but then to seven blocks away. So seven blocks away was the house of his Ustad. Now he is in his house, his Ustad is in the Ustad's house, seven blocks away. But he says, from here in my house, I never ever stretched my legs in the direction of the house of my Ustad. That my Ustad is there in the house there, so I cannot stretch my legs in that direction and stretch my legs towards his house. Why? Out of respect for him. I am acquiring ilm from him. So I am acquiring ilm from him. I need to acquire this ilm. It will come with respect. It will come with adab. Ba adab, ba nasib. Be adab, be nasib. We've mentioned this statement many, many times. We should write it down. We should have it kept somewhere in front of us. We should repeatedly look at it and read it and reflect upon it. Ba adab, ba nasib. The one with adab will be very fortunate, will progress tremendously, will move way ahead in life. Be adab, be nasib. And the person without adab will be totally deprived. Allah Ta'ala protect us from every level of be'adbi. So now Imam Abu Hanifa Alhamdulillah such a great personality and there are millions of people in the world millions of people in the world who are following the fiqh of Imam Abu Hanifa Alhamdulillah that understanding of his in the light of which he extracted the Masail from the Quran and Sunnah 
and he put it in simple form, codified it, put it in a book form, and simplified all the Masail, and he presented it, there are millions of people following it, so can you imagine the reward and the sawab that he gets? But now what brought him to this status, together with the other qualities that he had, it was also this aspect of adab. Can we see what degree of adab? Where is the Ustad's house? Where is he? And he's ready to show this kind of adab. What we learn also here is, one is in the presence of the Ustad, mashallah, very, very helpful, very respectful, very helpful. But behind the back of the Ustad, or the teacher, the muallima, then what? Is the same kind of respect still shown? We can see this is what was in the life of Imam Muhanifah Rahmatullahi That it didn't matter that his Ustad was not there in front of him. The Ustad doesn't even know what act of adab he is undertaking upon himself. But this is that inner adab that's coming deep down from the sincerity of the heart. And it is not confined to only where people will see. But even in the privacy of a person. Adab with Allah Ta'ala. Unnecessarily not to expose any part of the body that should not be exposed, that is part of the satar. Unnecessarily, this shouldn't be exposed. This too is part of adab, even if a person is in privacy. This is directly from the hadith of Rasulullah. Now, what is this teaching us? It's teaching us adab. Now, adab in privacy. Now, a person who is ba adab has adab in one's own privacy. There's nobody else, no other human there. But the person has this consciousness, and without necessity, there isn't this kind of exposure. Now, such a person will then maintain this other in public also. And this other will be sincere in public as well. So, now that person who is respectful to the teacher, to the mallima, to the ustad, though the ustad is not there, the mallima is not there, the person is sitting in one gathering away somewhere, and now somebody started talking some negative talk about their teacher. This person says, I can't be part of this talk. This is wrong. This is totally wrong and I cannot be part of it. And this is something totally against the respect of the teacher also. So now let alone in front of the teacher, behind the back of the teacher also the person will be respectful. She will never make ghibat of her muallima. She will never say things which are negative. Everybody has their weaknesses. Everybody has some deficiency she will make dua if something has to be addressed in a some proper way she will undertake that if she can but she will not engage in all these disrespectful aspects now the person who has this other in her life such a person then progresses tremendously and this is what we have to make this effort for and learn from these kind of personalities Imam Bukhari his kitab which Muslim hasn't heard the name of Bukhari Sharif? Maybe he hasn't seen inside it also. Many people haven't looked inside Bukhari Sharif. But they've heard it somewhere. Illa mashallah, they've heard about Bukhari Sharif somewhere. Like every Muslim has heard about Quran Sharif, there's barely a Muslim anywhere that hasn't heard about Bukhari Sharif. They've heard it. And thousands of students every year are studying Bukhari Sharif. They don't become ulama without studying Bukhari Sharif. And now from how many years and years this is taking place, day in and day out, people are sitting and studying this kitab. But what was his adab? Besides his mastery in knowledge and his taqwa, etc., etc., his adab. 
that before writing and recording any hadith in his kitab, it is mentioned he took a fresh ghusl. Now this is not compulsory. It's not farz to write hadith sharif that you must have a fresh ghusl. But he would take a fresh ghusl, perform two rakat salah, make dua, and then write down one hadith. Now there are so many ahadith in this kitab, and he's taking this pains to write, to do all this before one one hadith. What was this? This was the adab for that ilm. Adab for that hadith sharif. Now that brought about this outcome that Allah Ta'ala made him shine. Adab makes a person shine. We shouldn't do it to shine in front of people. We do it to shine in the court of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala must become happy with us. But when a person does it sincerely to shine in front of Allah Ta'ala, and the person adopts his adab to shine in front of Allah Ta'ala's, in Allah Ta'ala's court, Allah Ta'ala makes such a person shine in dunya also. But that must not be the object. But this is what adab is all about. It is a polish. It shines a person. But it's not just the polish which is a, a optional polish. It's a very necessary aspect. It's something that, it's not like a person didn't polish his car, so he can still drive around, not a problem, it won't harm the car in any way, it won't affect the performance of that vehicle, no. Here in this case, the case of adab in our life, if that adab is missing, it will affect the whole vehicle, it will affect the whole life of a person. So we must start becoming conscious, conscious of all the aspects of adab, adab for, our, for the Quran Sharif, for the kitabs, for the muallimas, for the things that we use for ilm, our pencils, our pens, the desk, the paper, and whatever else we use to acquire this knowledge of deen, all this has to be in place, and then we will find, Allah Ta'ala will open out the ways for us, such a person, even dunya becomes easy for them. Akhirat, that's the real place. But even in dunya, Allah Ta'ala makes things easy for them. May Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq, that we truly appreciate all the things Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, and we inculcate this very very great quality of adab in our lives in this way we will get the good of dunya also and the real aspiration we should have is of the everlasting bounties of jannah allah ta'ala bless us with this wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin allahumma lak alhamdu kulluhu wa lak ash-shukru kulluhu allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى واجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين